Word like W A R D, like in the direction of an ass. Oh, ass word. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> we have the sign at work that says butt first coffee. I was like, a coffee enema? Butt first coffee? Butt first. I take my coffee butt first. <laughs> Make sure it's not hot. <laughs> right. Made that mistake. I, I hope this is all being recorded because this is gold. It is being recorded. Should, should I leave this in? <laughs> Why not? It's the very least pyrite. <laughs> right. I think that's more what it's like. Let's intro the thing. Um, hey, listeners. Do it. It's that time again for Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We're a podcast where we talk about horror movies. We're going to spoil it? Yeah, we're going to spoil the hell out of everything. We're going to yeah. ruin your night. Yeah. Any movie you haven't seen yet, you know, ruin. Mm-hmm. Uh, even movies that are like 50, 60 years old. <laughs> buy, buy our merchandising. We, yes. Yeah, we should totally we do should some, have merch. some merchandising. Yeah. We should do some merch. Anyway, this is Chewing the Scenery. Yeah. Uh, we want to thank the Moon Rays for something. The intro and, song, Intro Creature Features. Oh, yeah, that's it. And uh, I'm here with Richard. C'est moi. Jolian, Marcy, and my name is Will. Let's do this thingy. All right. Well, guys, um, I decided that it's okay that the people around me who aren't like us, meaning like anyone we would see at the horror convention or anything else like that, it's okay if the normies, if these other people say spooky season, but I feel like if I ever say it, like use it like hey guys it's spooky season uh feel free to fucking slap me okay all right punch me if i'm gonna punch- hold you to that okay spooky season <laughs> for fuck's sake hey everybody <laughs> no this is where we live you tourists we live here <laughs> don't just show up in our hood like that not expect to get a smack for it god i started out hard on this episode yeah, <laughs> really not that wow. mean <laughs> Uh, there's just pumpkin spice everything and spooky season i didn't that's not a slappable offense that i just said it that was in, that was referential okay. uh-huh. i'll withdraw my hand <laughs> okay <laughs> but it is october i mean even i don't know when this will drop but it is october and within drop sometime in february of next year the way things are going yeah um but we started doing this is it seven years now uh, 2015, eight years. Eight years? Eight years. Did we just hit eight years? We just hit eight years. Wow. And I maintain it's like book club without the pesky reading. Yeah, it's just kind of like that. We've got it down so slick now. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a well-oiled machine. That's why we have to say we're not professionals. Oh, I think I forgot that. Mm, we're not professional. We're professionals now. <laughs> we're not professional podcasters. Nobody is paying us to do this. We're doing this for free. I don't know what I would do if somebody rolled on me with like, hey, uh, talk to the guys. Let's uh, let's see if you, you know, talk about some mattresses or underwear or something. Casper like, underwear. <laughs> we could just talk about we'll random. We'll nail you random <laughs> pairs of underwear. You try them on. If you like them, keep them. If you not, <laughs> send them back. I found this in my mattress. <laughs> uh, we'd have to like segue into it smoothly like they do in the youtube videos oh yeah i watched this movie from a reclining position on my lovely new mattress on my Ugh. lovely pile of casper underwear yes <laughs> yeah there's there is um there's something to be said for how they insert the commercials i listen to a lot of podcasts while i'm working i work you know printing stuff and i'm operating a printing press i don't really want to have to stop and fast forward a lot uh, although I will, there are some jarring commercials that just jump in mid-sentence and they're shouting at you. That is not cool. Mm-mm. I think we should throw one in here. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> some guy shouting about Ford trucks or yeah. something. Hi, I'm a shouty man. <laughs> right. From Shouty Man Productions. <laughs> but, uh... Are you tired of some normal activity that confounds you? Do you want... Do you want your garage to be seen from the moon? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I didn't know that I did, but yes, yes, I do. <laughs> Here's that thing you never knew you needed. Yeah, some guy rolled up um, talking about uh, selling us solar panels for the house. Uh-huh. It's not doable on this type of roof. And I just chilled him like a head of lettuce. I was like, yeah, I'll stop you right there. <laughs> you don't even need to this do the pitch. Birdemic, fella. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here, Rod. Yeah. Go back to your Victoria's Secret model girlfriend. <laughs> Rod. Um, so, it's October. It's October. Yeah. You doing 31 for 31? Already started. Jolien mentioned to me that Night of Living Dead turned 55. 55. And I said, you know what? I should celebrate this by watching it for probably the 15th time this year. And, uh, Lo and behold, the copy on Prime is the old shitty copy of a copy of a copy. Oh. Everything's blown out. There's just... Really? Scratch and dust and artifacts going through the screen. Um, And I kind of enjoyed that because Mm -hmm. now that it's been cleaned up, I can look at that and say, wow, how foolish we were back when we put up with this. Now we got better things. So that... uh, I guess I'm already doing my recently watch. Do you want me to just talk about a couple more? Yeah, I watched it too. Yeah, and did you watch the cleaned up one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And world of difference, isn't it? Yeah, I, I noticed a few things I hadn't before. Like what? Ben was black. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I didn't weird. know that. It was so they strange. They don't even mention it. No. <laughs> they, in fact, do not. Um, it was just a bunch of static before. I don't know if I'd see, noticed this before, but you know when Romero's credit comes up and it's, it's against the uh, Stars and Stripes... Uh-huh. Right. The camera pans right, and then the first grave they drive past is Kennedy. Is it seriously? Really? How interesting. I you, I should be the person to notice that. Would that be RFK? All right. How about 68? <laughs> how about this one I noticed? Uh, Johnny, he gets brained against a gravestone. Mm-hmm. You know the name on the gravestone? No. Myers. Myers. Oh. 
How and, interesting. Yeah. Before they stole it. Those Before damn they, kids. Yeah, those damn kids. <laughs> They'll do anything for Halloween. Yeah. Uh, you should shoot them six times. The only book in the farmhouse is on a shelf, and it's the rise and fall of the Third Reich. Oh, no kidding. Wow. So you think maybe Nazis lived in that house? I don't know. A bit of social commentary maybe slipped in there. Maybe. A bit? I don't know. The uh, the tombstone that... that um, I want to say Judith, but <laughs> Judith is the other character, but it's Judith O'Day. Uh, Barbara is uh, Blair. So she ends up like when she's running from um, the Bill Hinsman, the initial, what mm-hmm. do they call him? The graveyard zombie? Cemetery zombie, yeah. yeah cemetery. The cemetery ghoul. Yes. The ghouls using tools. <laughs> yeah, because he uses a rock to smash the window. Mm-hmm. Russ Strainer's mom must have been thrilled. <laughs> um, I saw a there's a box for a, a real uh, latent image box inside really? the house. Wow, they which is Romero and Russo's yeah company. That's quite the Easter egg. And uh, and the uh, you know when he gets thrown on the pile at the end, he's right next to the cemetery ghoul. Mm, that oh. I have noticed. Yeah. So, um, aside from all that fun, uh, could you kind of put together what the missing eight or nine minutes were that were put back in? Uh, I've not watched the Night of Anubis cut yet, oh, okay. but there's like a, there's a bit of, there's a ghoul in there. There's a, there's a few things in there. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not a lot, but it's the work print. Yeah. Yeah. The John, the John Russo zombie uh, the one that first gets in the house and then Ben kills him. He he is looking like Pee Wee Herman when he first comes in. You've noticed that, right? <laughs> he looks like Pee Wee. Yeah, why does his eyes move when he's like on the floor with a hole in his head? Yeah, because he's not a good actor. I guess. <laughs> um, anything else on Night of Living Dead that you noticed? Uh, it, it was, was just in black so and white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't seen this like super clear version before. Right? You know, I'd... I'd I don't have the 4K. I've got the, the Blu-ray. But yeah. It just looks so good. And, it does. Uh, it really worked. I, thought, I found it scary again. Yeah, I watched it um, two, three weeks ago when I saw it was really cleaned up. And it's like, oh, I'll, I'll have to start this watch. It's totally worth it. It felt, yeah, it felt different. It felt like almost a new new movie. Yes. I see everything. Could you imagine going to a midnight showing of this back in, say, the 70s and how it would feel like it would feel like you're seeing something you shouldn't be seeing, like a snuff film or something? Can, can you imagine? Because this went out on a double bill with Doctor Who and the Daleks. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> really? Yeah. I think that's the scarier one, though. <laughs> Probably. I cannot understand what the hell a Dalek says, ever. I've watched several of them now, and I'm just like, it's yelling something at me. I don't know what that thing's saying. But. Isn't it always exterminate? No, it, they so, talk. They have lines. Oh, really? But I can't understand them. Huh. It's just that, whatever, that voice just... That's <laughs> all I hear. Yeah. Well, English people love that. I told you guys in London Heathrow, there was that automatic floor polishing machine that was uh, it was not piloted by anybody in it are you sure 
I think you know, they have little aliens that it live was in them. Big enough. Right? There could have been a dude They're inside of it. They're not robots. And it was saying bop, bop, bop. Bop, bop, mm, bop, 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 bop. Because <laughs> they're way out of time. You know, <laughs> right. They had <laughs> <laughs> singles. Uh, okay, what else I watched? Um, let's see. Autofocus. I had mentioned this, I think, either during the show or after the show, last time we recorded. And uh, this, this is a 2002 biopic about Bob Crane, who a lot of people would know as the guy who played Colonel Hogan in Hogan's Heroes, uh, because Nazis were funny yeah. in the 60s. I apparently. just imagine World War II vets tuning in and mm. watching Hogan's Heroes. Ugh. I've, I've never seen it. All I know about it is they, they filmed uh, Ilsa She-Wolf with the SS on the set. Yes. But, um, yeah, in Britain we had, um, in the I think in the 80s, there was this uh, sitcom called Hello, Hello. Uh-huh. Which was based on the like the the secret army, the French resistance. Okay. But it was a comedy sitcom. Well, they had one that was only one episode that was like Heil, honey, I'm home. <laughs> it was like Hitler in a sitcom, and I think they yanked it before the credits ran. <laughs> they were just get that shit off there. Wow. Wow, it's like the producers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't remember, but there's a. A great story about a Canadian TV show, one of the first, that they were making like six episodes a day or something, and they had, because, I don't know, there's a lot of machinations behind the scenes and money and whatnot, but they were filming like all day, just episode after episode after episode to fill the station. (laughs) The station couldn't get anything else to show. Oh, no. That's weird. I can't remember what it was called, though. Well, um, this one, I think it gave you a little more of a, um, a complete portrait of who Bob Crane was as a person, other than being uh, relatively pervy in his uh, private sexual life. Um, he was a he was a radio DJ, had a great voice, loved playing drums, loved jazz music. He just kind of liked going out to the clubs, uh, a lot of strip clubs apparently, because. <laughs> Um, I think they had by, the best jazz, right? I think they did at the time. Yeah, that's and, what I would say. Yeah, that would be the excuse. <laughs> I'm only going there for the bands. Yeah, cheap drinks. Cheap yeah, drinks, yeah. Cheap drinks, great music. Oh, yeah, there's some naked women. But, you know, I'm paying attention to the yeah, music. I'm there for the articles. Yes. Yeah, I'm there for the articles. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so Bob Crane, he would go to church every Sunday. He had a family. You know, he had a wife and kids. Uh that always rules out being perverted. Well, no, oh, yeah. it, it, it's a it's a beard. It's totally a beard, um, and you know, so people would not expect this of him. But he loved those strip clubs, and he just I think once he realized he could do whatever he wanted, once he got some fame and fortune from playing Colonel Hogan on Hogan's Heroes, uh, this guy John. I think they always have to say his middle name, but his John name is Carpenter. John Carpenter, not the 1978 Halloween director, John Carpenter. Um, I think his middle name's Henry or something. John Henry Carpenter. Willem Dafoe plays him in the movie. Yeah. Uh, does a great job, too. Willem Dafoe can play kind of creepy. Oh, he, he, yeah. He shows up creepy. He just has to He's turn. He's just creepy. He just turns it up a couple notches. Uh-huh. And uh, which you never get the image of him wearing pantyhose over his head and wild at heart. I oh think it God, is. Oh God! Yeah, 
before he blows his face off. On accident? On accident, yeah. Oh, that is so crazy. Spoiler. Spoiler for Wild at Heart. Uh, so this one, you will kind of go through the whole story and kind of understand, like, the state of technology at the time. And, uh, and then it does leave it a mystery, but they pretty heavily implied that it was John Henry Carpenter that murdered Bob Crane. Uh, the In the study with a rope. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think it was a motel room with a hammer, but or a tripod. It was actually. a tripod, yeah. I think it beat him, whoever it was, beat him with a folded up tripod. I can't bl- believe I know this much about some pervert that was on TV 50 years ago. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me? You belong in this program. I do. This is the one world. of us. This is the world we live in, <laughs> you tourists. Uh, so, yeah, Bob Crane had his arc where he was. Very popular, very successful, and then in the decline, he was doing dinner theater, but still would get those fans, and he would still take advantage of that. And, uh, it, it's totally worth watching, uh, even if you don't know anything about this. Jolien, you could watch this and enjoy it without having ever seen an episode of Hogan's Heroes. Uh, I, I watched... Uh, you got to watch at least the first season of Hogan's Heroes to get anything out of this movie. At least watch an episode. It really picks up in the second season, though. <laughs> but by the eighth, oh, man, they've got it down. Yeah. They're sleepwalking through those scripts. Uh-huh, yeah. They're really phoning it in, in season nine and ten. Kind of come back in 11. <laughs> but I'd say 12 through 15, 16, pretty bad. And then they replaced... Uh, Bob Crane with a puppet. <laughs> I had enough at that time. Uh, noticing that I had never watched this before, I decided to just go ahead and watch I Married a Monster from Outer Space. This is a 1958 American horror film uh, from Paramount Pictures. So it was a big studio picture. Um, produced and directed by Gene Fowler Jr. Starring Tom... Deb. Yes, Yes, we we got some local fame here. Um, stars Tom uh, Tryon and Gloria Talbot. Uh, Tom Tryon's the author. Oh, there you go. Wrote the the other. The oh. other, really. Mm-hmm. Damn, didn't know that. And uh, Harvest Home. Was that his other one? The what? Harvest Home. Mm, I don't know. Anyway, the uh, other was filmed in the early seventies. Huh. Let's see. I'm taking a quick look here to see if it says... Oh, he worked with Otto Preminger. Interesting. Um, anywho, uh, this one um, has that that 50s sci-fi vibe that, that we enjoy so much. At least I know I do. But uh, it doesn't have to be a great movie to be a great movie. You know? Oh, yeah. You can write dissertation on, on this one. Yeah. Definitely. And, and I'm looking at this one, and maybe this makes me a perv, I don't know, but uh, I'm looking at Gloria Talbot, and I'm uh-huh. thinking, wow, she is just so, just objectively pretty, and just, there's a charm about her, and I'm thinking, if she's alive, uh-huh. she, she's in her 90s, uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, that is weird to see someone on the screen that... Sometimes, and, and I noticed this with watching like a rerun of Perry Mason now and again, you see somebody and, and you can kind of 
look past the acting and see somebody who's probably just like, wow, I finally broke through in Hollywood and I'm working in a, you know, a TV series or a movie or whatever. And, you know, they're an attractive person who's, and you can kind of read between what's going on with the script and just say, wow, you know, they were a modern person in their time who would now be very elderly. (laughs) It's so strange. Um, That's totally beside the point. Uh, this movie, um, takes you through all of that stuff you want from a a 50 sci-fi movie or an episode of the twilight zone, be it from the fifties or sixties, you know, people walking, people walking, people wearing suits, (laughs) people in little rooms talking, people who like wash their face and comb their hair and put on actual clothes before they leave their house. Uh, Even the aliens wear trousers. Yeah. Yeah. That, that happens in, uh, uh, the silent earth too. Yeah. Which I think can't have their alien junk waggling around on the screen. Yeah, it's like even dragons wore pants back in the comics. Yeah, yeah. yeah that Fing Fang Foom didn't he wear? Yeah, pants? he wore purple pants. Uh, <laughs> it's right. always purple. Those are green. Mm-hmm. Um, this this is this kind of uh, this does not predate the story of who goes there, but this does kind of have the the body takeover of uh, it came from outer space or invasion of the body snatchers. It's the body takeover uh, sci-fi horror, which I really like seeing just another version Mm -hmm. of it that I didn't know was out there. And uh, this is one of them that I think people should have a look at. Uh, Yeah. Next time you watch it, uh, think of the gay subtext. Oh Mm. yeah. Speaking of which Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein was another one I watched and I gay subtext. Oh man. <laughs> uh, Lou Costello's character. Uh, oh, what's he called in this one? It's chick and, um, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, 1948 film. There is definitely some gay subtext there because every time, I mean the flirting that Lou Costello's character does. Um, Oh, what, what is his name? It's uh, Wilbur. The flirting that Wilbur does with chick so often it's like oh what about that date and he's tickling his face and like there's so much of that going on and it's like wow back when people were definitely way more homophobic than they are now did that upset them or is it like oh they're comedians they're silly they do silly things i don't know man it was like bugs bunny (laughs) cross-dressing i think you might be right uh it was so far out of mind that it only could be a joke yeah, that's probably true. You I mean, know, it would be that you would never, never really think that Bugs Abbott Bunny, and Costello, or gay. Yeah, Bugs Bunny or or Milton Berle. Either way, right? Um, I don't think Milton Berle was gay. No, he did cross dress. <laughs> uh, do we we don't even call it that anymore, do we? No, I have no clue what we call it now. I don't know. I think they'd probably just label you as. <clears throat> trans even if you weren't you just like wearing women's clothes yeah that's just what they you got do right of transvestism yeah it's what not the hell? it's not even it's, <laughs> it's not even a term anymore i don't know maybe it is yeah the, the the changes are finally moving faster how interesting um okay so um uh the the characters uh chick and wilbur are a couple of baggage clerks who have uh They've uh, taken in some freight from a place overseas that uh, 
uh, a guy with a, uh, a curiosities attraction, not a wax museum, but uh, more of a museum of horror type thing. Uh, he knows that he's gotten the Frankenstein monster and Dracula's remains. As far as he knows, it's their remains. And I don't know what he's expecting when he opens the box. But when these two ass clowns get a hold of it, um, they, they make a mess of everything they touch. But uh, they, they basically uh, unleash the monsters uh, in the House of Horrors. Uh, Dracula uh, uses his ring to somehow re-energize the monster. Uh, Sounds plausible. Sure. I mean, we're already accepting a dead man who walks around in a immortal vampire. Sure. <laughs> he could have a magic ring. Why not? Yeah. Space wizards, you know, space wizards. Draw the line where you will. Uh, the, what I like about this is that they immediately stir the the Wolfman into it. It's like uh, Larry Talbot makes this urgent phone call to this place in Florida, you know, talking about, uh, you know, how the shipment's going to arrive, and and uh, and he's turning into a werewolf as he calls them, and and I don't know why he knows about this or what what how he's so invested in it but uh he read the script i think that's it they promised him bottles of booze and he read the script but uh the wolfman shows up in florida as he will and uh decides he's going to be helpful and of course all he does is just do wolfman stuff and help screw things up and of course we see the first appearance i think of the invisible man or no it's not will we hear Vincent Price right. doing the Invisible Man voice at the end. Yeah, we see a cigarette floating yeah. around. But uh, we had the Invisible Man before that, right? Yeah. They d- they did a separate film where they meet the Invisible Man, but it's not Vincent Price. It's a... When was the Invisible Man? The movie? Yeah, 35? Four... Yeah, it was pretty early. It, it was earlier than this. The anyway. Claude Rains one. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. 15 years. Why they use Vincent Price's voice? Was it cheaper? Well, he he was in one of the Invisible Man. He was in Invisible Man Returns. I don't remember. See, as a kid, as a kid, I never thought of it. I was just like, oh, okay. There's <laughs> a floating cigarette. There's Vincent Price's voice. The end. Yeah, <laughs> it's the end of the movie. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, and okay, spoilers for for this uh, this movie, but um, you know, if you haven't seen this 1948 classic yet. The see, the the Get part on it. <laughs> the, the part where the Frankenstein monster played by Glenn Strange in this one is uh, coming toward um, Chick and Wilbur who are in a rowboat who can't seem to figure out how to get it untied. Uh, he's throwing barrels at them, but then um, God, who is it who comes up behind him pouring the gasoline out? Um, God, I'm trying to think which character it is that's trying to take care of it. Uh, Anyway, they, they set the dock on fire, and the monster is there with this burning dock, just not even seeming that upset by fire. And then apparently it burns through, and he falls through it. Sequel. Could have <laughs> totally... It didn't, but it could have totally happened. Uh, the comedy is comedy, but the monsters do their monster stuff the way they do it in the other monster movies. They don't do goofy things. They just are stirred into the goofiness of the movie. So that was fun. Uh, I think that's about all I got for this time. Jolien, you want to take all it right. away? Uh, watched, uh, I'll do these in alphabetical order. Uh, the Black Abbot from 1963, speaking of... Abbots? <laughs> Abbots. Directed by Franz Gottlieb. Uh, this is a Krimi. Okay. Um, stars Krimi regulars Joachim Fuchsberger and Klaus Kinski. Ooh. 
uh, switches from black and white to colour just for the credits. Uh, two and a half tons of gold are hidden on the Chelford estate, and person or persons unknown are dressing up as the Black Abbot and knocking off rivals. Sounds like a regular week. Yeah, I like the gothic locations and the stuffed bats, and any movie where an important plot point is gravel can't be all bad. <laughs> Long stretches of dull characters talking the plot, though. That's. So. That's a low-budget movie. There's a later crimmy uh, about this red abbot with a whip, which is much more fun. Sounds more fun. Uh, Blood, a.k.a. Black Nightmare in Blood, 1974, directed by Andy Milligan. Any of you Andy Milligan fans? Uh, (laughs) I can't really claim that to be a fan. Good, so I won't offend you. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Another Andy Milligan Staten Island epic. Werewolf moves into a house with his bride, Dracula's daughter. Blood drinking plants are raised in the cellar. Huh. That's it? Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, like Milligan's The Rats Are Coming, The Wills Are Here, which is a good title, uh, which also starred Hope Stansbury. Uh, real rats get killed on camera. So, mm. the hell with this movie. Both of them. Um, Bloodbath, 1975. Joel M. Reed, another, uh, an anthology movie from the director of Blood Sucking Freaks. Mm. Hmm. cast and crew of a horror film tell stories at a table there's one about a mad bomber a wish coin, haunted vault kung fu master um, psychotronic encyclopedia advises you to take a nap instead yeah yeah. Uh, screen debuts of Edith Field from American Crime Story and PJ Souls from Halloween mm. PJ Souls uh Blow Up, 1966, Michelangelo oh, Antonioni. Excellent. Uh, David Hemmings, you all know. Uh-huh. Vanessa Redgrave, Sarah Miles, Jane Birkin, uh-huh. the late Jane Birkin. Uh, the Yardbirds with Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page. Uh, I hoped uh, uh, Emily would like it because of all the Bowie stuff in it. Yeah. Uh, like you see the actual phone booth. You know, he, he replicated the, the famous shot of him standing over the woman with the camera mm-hmm. etc yeah. etc um but she did not she did not like it because Aww. she doesn't like movies where the there's no likable characters yeah some people have that problem uh other influences include Coppola, De Palma, Argento uh also a big influence from dissolving film censorship hmm. um, yeah we wanted a poster that there was like a i don't know eight foot nine foot tall poster at this show once it's mm. just beautiful poster blow right. up yeah and we we really debated it <laughs> can we go with no food this month <laughs> yeah. yep i don't know where it was stored but it was in pristine condition mm-hmm. like the theater got it and just oh, nice. stored it away have you seen <clears throat> it richard blow up yeah 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 um, Apparently that that um, inspired a lot of uh, young college students to get into some photography courses because mm-hmm. they thought, oh, that's there's a lifestyle for me. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, never mind, he's a monster. Well, yeah. A little they're, overlooked. They're like, yeah. I could be a monster. Yeah, he was. But you had to be a photographer, like a young hip photographer at that particular point. Yeah. Yeah, so he's he's a lot of him is based on David Bailey, who who is that guy. 
mm. back in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, Castle of Evil from 1966. Again, Francis D. Leon. Uh, it's an old dark house with uh, Hollywood actors off their prime. Ooh. I like them. Yeah, is this a, a uh, I don't know, what would you call it? A pensioner's film or something? <laughs> um, six people go to the reading of a will at the castle of Kovac or Nassau. If they survive and find which of them murdered Kovac, they get the loot. However, Kovac's disfigured corpse seems to be up and about to speed the deaths along. So this stars Virginia Mayo. Uh-huh. Still looks great. Uh, Scott Brady, Hugh Marlowe, sets up mysteries and blows them as fast as it can, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> um, but still enjoyed it. Uh, my favourite line was when Virginia Mayo's character says, Thanks, that makes me feel like my hair is natural. Uh, this went out on a double feature with Blood Beast from Outer Space. <gasps> Blood Beast? The Corman Blood Beast? Yeah. AKA the Nightcaller. Oh. That one. Uh, Cauldron of Death, a.k.a. Rico the Mean Machine, a.k.a. The Dirty Mob. Mm. This is one of those Italian crime movies that got dressed up as a horror movie for a U.S. release. Mm. This is from 1973, uh, Tullio De It's a run-of-the-mill mafia movie starring Christopher Mitchum. Oh, uh, Robert Mitchum's kid? Son of, yep. Yes. Uh, oh, he's got no charisma. So, uh, <laughs> 70s, yeah. He's like a black hole of charisma. He just sucks it all up. His dad must have had all the charisma Yeah, genes. he looks so much like him. Uh-huh. Yeah, I just watched just... something with him in it, and it was like, that's Robert Mitchum's kid? God, yeah. he's like wallpaper paste. <laughs> yeah, he might be lovely off screen, but on screen it's just Yeah, like, nothing. Mm. Just... Uh, so, Grindhouse Denizens of the 70s will... Remember this one for the castration scene. All right. <laughs> and the leering at Barbara Boucher and Melissa Longo. Um, Boucher does a strip tease on a car. Oh. Uh, everyone wears turtlenecks at some point. Uh, and apart from uh, all the J&B bottles, there must have been a deal with the makers of tight red trousers. <laughs> <laughs> Just about every scene, someone walks by on them or a character's wearing them. <laughs> tight red trousers whole crate of them yeah <laughs> uh, Cave of the Living Dead from 1964 uh, directed by Akos Rationi uh, it's a German Yugoslavian film directed by a Hungarian it's got a stinking reputation every review I read of it horrible uh, it does a plot along but I really like the locations and the lighting uh, an inspector goes to a one car mountain village to investigate the deaths of six young women all killed in the early hours at the time of a power cut. The inspector is played by Adrian Hoven, who produced and co-directed the Mark of the Devil films and worked with Jess Franco. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, the professor is played by Wolfgang Price from the Dr. Mavusa series of the 60s, and he was in Miller the Stone Women. Oh. And uh, Maria is played by Erika Remberg from Circus of Horrors and the Licorice Quartet. Okay. Okay. Uh, the Creeper from 1948, Jean Yarbrough, mm. who directed a bunch of Babbitt and Costello and Bowery Boys and She-Wolf of London, etc. Um, during production, this was called The Catman. Oh. 
I was hoping it would be the crass version of Cat People. You know, you know when uh, have you seen The Bad and the Beautiful? Yeah. There's like this character who's like partly based on Val Luton in it, the Kirk Douglas character. Yeah. And uh, they're working on this film called Doom of the Cat Men. Yeah. So I thought this would be like the the actual Doom of the Cat Men, but no. Nah. No. Nah. Um, Philip Arn turns up as the owner of a Chinese restaurant. Uh, Hon George plays one of the waiters. Um, if it if it's not Angela Rosito. You know, dwarfs are played by this guy. Oh, okay. In movies, uh, pretty dull, nice and shadowy, ideal for doing the ironing or insomnia. Um, there were two American horror movies made in 1948, and the other one was. Um, the other one would have been Evan Costello yeah. meet uh, <laughs> Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Daughter of the Mind from 1969, directed by Walter Grauman. Um. Based on a Paul Gallico novel, he wrote Poseidon Adventure. Oh, okay. Um, stars Ray Milan, Gene Turney, and John Carradine, of course. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, I like the premise. A professor grieving the loss of his daughter starts seeing her ghost. At a seance, she even leaves behind a wax cast of her own arm. Uh, the twist is the professor is involved in cybernetics with military applications, so it might be a plot by the other side. Mmm. Uh, mild entertainment from when American TV horror movies are only a year old. Uh, Gamera Rebirth, which is a miniseries on Netflix, Ooh. Uh, came out this year, directed by Hiroyuki Sishita. Um, it's an anime. And, okay. Uh, three children on summer holidays encounter bullies from the local American airbase, but Japan is attacked by a series of giant monsters, and the trio and one of the bullies are thrown together. For some reason, they're always in the vicinity of the attacks. You find out why, and it's pretty dark. Uh, the mashing of three different styles of art uh, isn't always successful, but this was an excellent series we binged through. I'll always prefer live action and special effects, though. Yeah. Um, and we lost uh, David McCallum. Oh. Recently, so. Yeah. Last week. Um, so we watched uh, The Great Escape. Oh. 1963, John Sturges. It's better than Hogan's Heroes. It's mm. as prison camp fantastic dramas go. Fantastic movie. Yeah, it's so entertaining. It's one of my favorites. Uh, watch this again for the umpteenth time to celebrate the late David McCallum. He's the one who comes up with the soil dispersal system. Oh, okay. This yeah. is one of the mo these movies that gets referenced everywhere. Like it's on this all over The Simpsons. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So when they whenever they do jokes about dumping the soil down the trousers, that's that. Uh, also stars Richard Attenborough, Charles Bronson, James Coburn, James Donald, James Garner, Gordon Jackson, Steve McQueen, Donald Pleasance. Yep. Um, Hell's a Poppin' from 1941. Near plotless comedy musical adapted from the Broadway show starring Olsen and Johnson and Martha... Olsen and Johnson? Martha Ray. Yeah. <laughs> He's a big fan? Yes. No. Uh, starts in Hell. Then there's a mystery science theatre bit where they riff on a movie. And then there's a bit of fourth wall breaking, and then they're in that movie. Yeah. Uh, there's water ballet, dog ballet, <clears throat> the Frankenstein monster, Invisible Man, with the special effects by the guy who did the Invisible Man, John okay. Fulton, and uh, an astonishing Lindy hopping scene. It's one of the most incredible dance scenes. <coughs> I think I've seen the scene from... I've never seen the movie, but I know the scene. Yeah. Anyway, that was it for that week. I'll have to check out Hell's a Pop. Okay. Will, what do you got? Um, well, I have not been watching much because 
I've been saving up horror movies for 31 and 31. <laughs> yes. Um, so, what did I watch? I watched something called Villains with Jerkface. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Donovan? Friend of the show. Jeffrey Donovan, friend of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Bill Skarsgård and uh, a girl from It Follows. Oh, okay. Micah, mate. What is her name? Uh, I'll look it up for you. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Bill Skarsgård and her play a kind of dumb couple that break into houses and steal stuff. I think they're all on drugs. I mean, they do a lot of drugs. Uh, they rob convenience stores and whatnot. <clears throat> they get away, but their car breaks down, so they... They see a house down the road, and they go down there, and uh, they break in. Nobody's home. It seems, you know, like a normal upper-class kind of house. But then they find a girl chained up in the basement, so they decide to stick around and wait until the people come home to take the girl from them. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's a plan. It's... I remember seeing the trailer for this movie. It came out in 2019. So probably earlier that year, 2018. And uh, it was one of those that was like, oh, that looks fun. But I couldn't remember the title. So I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll see it again. It happened to come up on uh, one of the channels. And I was like, oh, okay. And Jeffrey Donovan's in it. I like him. Yeah, just didn't know what it was doing. Oh. You know, um they hint that there's some sort of dark secret with the girl and you, they make you believe that she might be some sort of monster or something but that doesn't pan out she's like just a, a bad person monster or a... like a real monster like mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, yeah and uh, no she's just a kid they kidnapped because they lost their kid or some boring cliche like that and replaced her and, uh, I would miss it it's not good <laughs> it's not great anyway even though I like all the actors in it um, it was just you know yeah um, and then I watched some uh, just random American Filipino movies from the 70s <laughs> might start Sid Haig, and if they're not starring him, he's somewhere in there because he must have lived there. Vic Diaz, yeah, yeah, Vic Diaz, yep, exactly. Um, I can't remember. Wonder Women was one of them, mm. um, which is a bunch of women running around killing people in the Philippines. It's about half the movies that they made there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I watched one called Raw Force, but I have to go back because I fell asleep. But it's just nuts. It's It starts out with a cannibal cult. Well, you don't know that they're, they're cannibals at first. On some island that's kidnapping women. And the people who kidnap them think they're being sold into slavery, but he's actually selling them into being food. And then it just gets wilder <laughs> from Mitchell there. Is Mitchell in that? Yep. Yeah. He yeah. plays a, a 
a boat captain. Right. And their boat wrecks like immediately and they have to go ashore this crazy island. Yeah, I remember that was that was pretty entertaining. Yeah, it's so many ju- different movies. It's and- just <laughs> nuts. It's just yeah, they threw everything in a blender and just hit puree and threw it on the screen. It's it's my kind of movie. Yeah. Where it doesn't stop, it's always moving forward and you don't know where it's going. And it has Cameron Mitchell. <laughs> He was the Nick Cage of his day. <laughs> Somebody had to be. <laughs> and that should be enough for now, because yeah. I think we're about six hours into this episode. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Jolien, this was your pick. Yes. Um, I first heard about this because a friend mentioned it, and I said, oh, wow, interesting. When's it from? And he said, I don't know, early 70s. Well, this is from... The year of the lesbian vampire movie, mm-hmm. 1971. Not that this is a lesbian vampire movie or vampire lesbian movie. Which way do you put that? Lesbian vampire. Lesbian vampire. Um, but it's from the same year. Um, but being that it's not European, uh, they didn't. They had no obligations, uh, contractual or otherwise. Um, so it's an independent film. And I didn't know this. And within weeks of a friend mentioning this to me, saying he really liked this for various reasons, I saw a um, DVD copy of it in somebody's mix-and-match table of used stuff at a horror con, and I bought it. I did not expect what I got. Um, I did on some level. I, I mean, I really, you know, knowing it was kind of independent and it was on a budget, I sort of didn't expect it to be, like, flashy or anything, but... Uh, didn't really expect it to go where it went. Jolien, how did you uh, pick this, and how did you find out about it to start with? I, um, well, I hadn't seen it for ages. I saw an old, like, we were talking about it, like a blurred VHS of it. The crappy old transfer. Couldn't see which woman was who. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Who the one murder victim was, as I was saying in the car. It's like, I didn't know who he was at first because I couldn't <laughs> see him well enough. Yeah. So I wasn't that keen on it. But then, uh, you know, it's one of those that's been rediscovered. It's been cleaned up. And so so a generation's rediscovering it and talking about it. So I'm all right, I want to check that out again. Yeah, it looks, it looks, looks good. fantastic. It looks like it was filmed yesterday mm. in some scenes. It's so clear and the color's so perfect. I'm still not keen on it. (laughs) Yeah. I feel kind of the, it's got great atmosphere. Yes. Um, It just never gets there for me. So I watched it with Emily. Uh Uh-huh. So I'll tell you what she thought of it first. Yes, please. Yes, please. So she's like trained in, you know, professionally in various uh, psychology things. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, she was distracted by the attitude to mental mental wellness. Ah. Because, like, uh, you have this character who's clearly having problems, Jessica. Yep. And uh, so she imagines that she had this picture in her mind of the doctor saying, well, you've had no hallucinations for two weeks. Why don't you move far away from any medical help? <laughs> yeah. So her friends take her out into the uh, the wilds of New England. Is it Connecticut? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's just like nowhere she could get any assistance if anything went happened. Yeah. Um, she also wondered uh, why does a vampire stay in a little town? 
Yeah, you got limited resources around you. But she liked the New England setting. She went to college in New England. Um, she liked the characters. She liked the ambiance. So that's stuff she liked. Uh, we we both questioned what is Woody spraying from the tractor. Yeah. Because Jessica goes through that. She gets drenched twice. Yeah, is is he watering or is he spraying pesticide? It's pesticide. It's some She's sort dead. of pesticide. Right. That's, I was thinking the same thing. Like, you'd think it would have to be pesticide, but... Is, is is that making is that making some sort of a commentary on uh, environmentalism and I mean this was before DDT was outlawed. Yeah, that's what I wonder. Was it DDT? If so, yeah, dead. Yeah, she's dead. Yeah. No, they used to run it through the neighborhoods and kids would play in it. Yes. Oh, the fog. Yeah. Uh, so but, she uh, could walk through. I mean, it would not be healthy. No, but, but I don't it, think it'd kill her right away. Not like a bullet, but it would kill you eventually. Like everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so, and she wondered who, um, why, why kill the mole mouse? Why, yeah. why is the thing, creature that's obviously a mouse called a mole? I wondered that too. Why didn't they just go with mouse? You couldn't tell that on the, on the VHS copy. No. So I was very surprised this time. It's like, that's a mouse. <laughs> um, unfortunately I could see where they pulled its head off or something. I think that was a real mouse. Yeah. Uh, I like the uh, early use of close-ups on the, in the scenes where a scene opens with a close-up and you can't quite tell what it is. It kind of puts you off kilter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I thought the unfriendly unfriendly locals were quite disturbing. Yeah. It's like this town is just populated by half a dozen geezers. And they hate, they hate everybody who comes yeah. through town, yeah. Like immediately. Just, yeah, right. like what what supports this town? Are they all just retired and they don't care? Yeah, they're, they're just cheap for the local vampire. I guess so. Uh, are we to understand there is an actual vampire? This isn't imagined or staged? Or do we not know? I feel, okay, for me personally, and I, I will reveal this now, I feel like by the end of the movie, I haven't been told... Mm-hmm. And I've and I'm left to assume, and I assume I don't know. Right. <laughs> That's kind of where I ended up. But the, you know, are the scars fake? Is this being is this being uh, is Jessica being pranked? Mm-hmm. Is she imagining it all? Can't tell. Yeah, um, I like the bit where where the guys are like uh, hanging out next to the hearse, and one's just scraping his heel on the car and. Wipes off the love bit. <coughs> oh, yeah. yeah. This this is definitely talking about culture war of the day. Yeah, I think it's like um, the death of the, the of the love generation sort of theme going on. Oh yeah, the, the, this Cause, is because they they they're in death from the start because they drive a hearse. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's like they're three aging hippie friends go out to the small town. In New England. Total isolation. Yeah. Um, the the bedroom's decorated with gravestone rubbings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, I think there's a comment on that. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, all that fun and games is over. Yeah, th- this is a time where, like, uh, the ideal was Woodstock, and the reality was... Altamont Speedway, mm-hmm. you know, where there was a death and the Hell's Angels beating the shit out of a bunch of young people. 
and the the bands that were playing not knowing what to do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, P.S. The Rolling Stones hired the Hells Angels to work security. That was a terrible idea. And paid them in beer. <laughs> right. And probably other substances. Uh, yeah, but, let's hire the Hells Angels. That's a good idea. Yeah, so this is a full, like, two years after everybody went, okay, this whole love hippie bullshit's pretty much toast. <clears throat> it didn't work. It's the 70s. We're just going to coast it here till the 80s. Burnt out, and in brown. Just yeah, was, let us be. We're gonna wear brown plaid with a little orange in it, and uh, yeah. maybe avocado green. Yeah. That whole decade felt like the morning after. Oh, it, God, yeah, it did, didn't it? But it was the morning after, and we had a, ha- a hangover for the whole decade. It was the seventies ha- was the sixties hangover mm-hmm. for sure, and then the eighties. I, I still prefer 80s. the seventies to the eighties. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. We'll talk about the eighties more in our next film. Okay. Yeah. Um Did they know they were saying all these things? Do you think they knew? Well Rod Serling loved this movie. He he, he always talked about when he went to campuses. And he is a guy who who loves his subtexts. Oh for sure. His barely concealed subtexts. Just text. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he called it the most terrifying movie I've ever seen or something right, like that. Right. That's coming from Rod Serling, the Twilight Zone guy, the night gallery guy. Mm-hmm. He found this terrifying. Uh, what would he have thought of um, Salem's Lot? Yeah. Because this, this this is kind of a precursor to it, that, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. yeah like <clears throat> small, small town in New England. Yeah. Run by a vampire. Um, I like the. Uh, this has got a early electronic score for a horror film. You know, mm-hmm. It's not the first electronic score ever, but you can hear the Moog uh, synthesizers. Yeah, you can definitely feel the transition towards the Carpenter. Yeah. Scores in this one, um, I felt it was a bit heavy-handed, especially in the first half, when they were trying to build up subtle uh, atmospherics. Yeah. And every time, you know, even if it wasn't actually disturbing, something would happen. This. The score would go, boom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They wanted to point a big arrow at it every, yeah. every chance they got. Yeah. So, so, um, so I have to ask, uh, we know that an early, there's a couple early uses of the converging, um, group of, uh, cult members or, vampires or what have you is like the, the great example I, I always like to go to is um, Rosemary's baby. You know, you, you see all the kind of pesky old people that live in the hotel um, kind of converging at the end and you find out, Oh no, they're all in a cult hmm. uh, and there's nothing you can do. And they're surrounding you like, like that's happened a few times even before Rosemary's baby. This is another use of that. Yeah, another example of that. Yeah, uh, another one it reminds me of is uh, Carnival of Souls. Yes, yeah, which was sixty-five. Yeah, early sixties. Yeah, sixty-two, sixty-five. Sixty-two. But yeah, was, <coughs> I don't remember. Yeah, it was. <coughs> it was a handful of years before Night of the Living Dead, which felt like it borrowed from it pretty yeah, heavily. That's another one with like these living dead haunting this woman. And 
imagery of them emerging from water. Yeah. So how far into the movie are you before you feel like you know something about um, the motivations of the hippie characters or the townspeople? Like, do you ever feel like you can put your finger on it? No. They keep you in the dark, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're kind of ahead of the characters because they go up in the attic and there's a photo and it's got the the woman in there and she's obviously the same one. The, yeah. re- the red-haired woman. Yeah. yeah. Emily. Emily, yeah. And, uh, and they, they don't figure that out for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah, my problem with this is, unlike Rosemary's Baby, I don't feel like you get any sense of who uh, Jessica is as a as she would be in sort of normal life so it feels like she starts out kind of unhinged and mm-hmm. it just keeps building and i don't feel i know the motives of anybody <laughs> um right so yeah i i love the atmosphere and it's certainly got a creepy feel to it but it just i feel like there's this distance between any of the characters that i i'm merely watching them but I don't feel like I'm engaged with them in any way. They're just people on a screen doing something. And I don't feel like they're, I don't know why they're doing it or what their intention is. Um, yeah. So I think it just relies on atmosphere. There's not, it's not enough there. Whereas Rosemary's Baby, you get a little bit of her life beforehand and, and it slowly builds the paranoia over this just kind of, starts off she's hearing voices already so mm. are those real or fake i also thought it was a, a bit uh a bit dated with the the mental illness and how they handled it it was just kind of like yeah she's crazy oh well <laughs> yeah we had she'll get over it yeah we had better funding for facilities then but uh less of a social understanding like i think society did not understand mental illness at all uh like there were conditions that were treatable people didn't know that either you were quote-unquote normal or you were bananas like people just didn't understand like that was a scientific term back then bananas they mark it right on your file with a big stamp (laughs) red red block leather letters bananas they would use yellow but then it doesn't show up very well no. especially if you copy that you know the documents uh but you know i remember as a kid always hearing people talk about a nervous breakdown and i mm. thought that was the end of the line like if somebody had one of these they were they were done mm-hmm. like they they were mentally shot after that and uh turns out uh, we've probably all had a few of them mm-hmm. and we're all still here <laughs> more or less you're right. No worse for the wear. Not much. But nervous breakdown to me, it was like when someone said a heart attack, I thought, oh, your heart does something and you die. Mm-hmm. Nervous breakdown, you lose it and you never come back. Yeah. And it turns out, no, people survive heart attacks and nervous breakdowns all the time. But back then, you know, as much as there were facilities, people would just say, wow, someone's really... You bananas. Know, bananas, I think was the word we were looking uh-huh. for. And is Jessica starting from a place of halfway to bananas and then they're just trying to 
who's trying to scare her to death? That's I yeah. don't know. Why but, the title? Why the who's the let's? Yeah, who is yeah. the us? I'm assuming it's the hippies. The first time I watched this, I was watching. Okay, one of these fucking yeah, hippies. Yeah, is, is this a gaslighting thing? These dirty hippies are doing something to her. Yeah. I can just I can that one. Maybe with that's the, why the title the, is that. The one with the make, mustache to gaslight the audience. Mm. Nobody's doing anything to uh, Jessica. She is just nuts. <laughs> We've been gaslit. But you're you're the I, title gives you some paranoia. So you start looking for who's out to get Jessica. Dirty hippies and geezer vampires. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what's going on here. Um Yeah, the the grave rubbings were definitely a great example of like they're not really they're not really trying to hide the fact that this is like uh, on some sort of a death drive. Is this a death cult? We don't know, but they're just, they're laying it on pretty heavy at the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's like, not only are the, these grave rubbings there to be used as decoration, they stop to make them. They make a little pit stop at the cemetery in a hearse. And then they see a mysterious person. That that was in that cemetery, right? She yeah, saw yeah. somebody, yeah. Yeah, did she? She she sees a woman. Does she really Gretchen see her? Corbett? Yeah. From Rockford Files. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it, it, is it worth mentioning since we're going there that uh, uh, Mary Claire Costello, uh, who plays Emily, was in the Waltons? Oh, I thought you were going to say she was Lou Costello's kid. <laughs> Don't know. Um, yeah, she she played uh, Rosemary Hunter Fordwick in the Waltons from 1972 to 1977. So there you go. Uh, I watched a lot of Waltons when I was a kid, but I don't remember any of it. Yeah. Except Good Night, John Boy. Yeah, she was in a show called The Fitzpatricks, which was in the late 70s, but I don't know that that ever went anywhere. I would have remembered it if it was good. Sure. Or bad. So it was just mediocre. More likely, yeah. Forgettable. Uh, Will, when did you first see this? Two days ago? No. I saw this probably 10, 12 years ago on a YouTube. Oh. Uh, that was copied from the video. So it looked so it great. Looked real crappy. And I remember we watched it because I had heard about it. You know, a lot of people talked about it. And... Eugenia and I watched it, and we were both kind of like, hmm. Didn't look good. Didn't really hold our interest. Uh, and uh, it it looked good enough. Now it felt almost like a new movie. There were scenes I, I remembered, but <clears throat> large part of it I didn't. some reason, all the tractor scenes stuck with me. <laughs> I feel like there's another movie that's just like this where somebody, maybe it was Grapes of Death, I was thinking. Mm. That's probably it. They're spraying stuff in that movie. Yeah, there's um, Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue with a spray. Mm. And zombies come up. That zombie spray, they yep. should outlaw that. <laughs> Pull it right from the market. But it was fine back in the 70s. Yeah, they just like spray it in the streets. Like, Kids oh, would it's play a zombie, in it. You know, you deal with it. Tamp it back down. Yeah, yeah they move slowly. So, because of these spooky water scenes in this, the director John Hancock was hired for Jaws 2. Oh. Very briefly. 
He was hired briefly and then fired? Yeah, because then they decided, you know, his approach is much too lyrical. They wanted to basically slash her in the sea. Maybe he was, he was too subtle. Huh. Or couldn't handle the big budget or whatever excuse. Yeah. Right. But, yeah, he was he was hired for Jaws too briefly. Yeah. And he worked a bit on Wolfen as well. Ah. Uh. Yeah, it would be interesting if you did Jaws too. Since this is so low budget. <laughs> Can either of you imagine being scared by this? Like, say you were late teens, early 20s at the time it came out. Can you imagine sitting in a theater being scared by this? No. No. Now, this is something that I can't believe. Um, Let's Scare Jess- Jessica to Death has been named one of the scariest films of all time by several critical publications. In 2006, Chicago Film Critics Association uh, said it was the 87th scariest film ever made. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, that's somewhere. But I can think of, you know, like, like, let's say it's the the top 100. This doesn't even place. How do you differentiate between, say, 86 and 87? Like... Mm, this 86 just edges out scare Jessica to death on the old frisometer yeah (laughs) yeah and and Rod Serling calling it one of the most frightening films he's ever seen like that makes me wonder I'm not going to say anything bad about maybe they cut the end of that off it was the scariest movie I ever saw on an airplane or (laughs) except for the other 86 yeah it's the 87th (laughs) scariest movie I've seen Right. Uh, it, it's just weird to me that, that people would even, like, this should, I mean, it is, in a way, just sort of a footnote to the whole genre of horror, but it just seems to me that like this should be less um, regarded. Uh-huh. Well regarded? Yeah. Yeah. Just regarded well, Sometimes a film will get rediscovered, and then people, like, jump on it as, like, oh, I found a gem. And yeah. It, yeah, you get that rush of excitement about discovering something. Yeah, like, I, I wasn't particularly jazzed about um, Ganja and Hess, for example. Mm-hmm. It, it's just sort of dreary, and it wanders around a bit, and, you know, there's some stuff that's scary-adjacent, but not really scary. You know, it's vampire stuff, but... Yeah, I think that was number 88. It's probably, <laughs> right? <laughs> you actually see some blood drinking happen, so therefore... No, that should be number 86 if we're working toward oh, number one. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it was a little too slow. Yeah, right. So it got bumped down to 88. Right. And it didn't have any dirty hippies in it. Yeah. Well, I saw a magazine this week that said that had an Exorcist on it, claiming it was the scariest movie of all time. Uh, like, how do you determine that? Yeah. That's, it's it's I, just so object, uh, subjective. I, yeah. yeah. I never found The Exorcist terribly scary. Yeah. There's it's my one, atheistic background, I, mean, I suppose. Great movie, but like one of the first times I saw it, when she goes up in the attic, mm-hmm. I thought oh, there was a bit of a shiver then. But uh, no other time. Yeah, something like that. I don't remember <clears throat> quite when I first saw the, the Exorcist, but I remember it being really built up, and then I watched it. Was kind of like, I, I do remember, and, and this is, you know, being somebody who was a, a kid in the 70s, I remember 
the grown-ups talking about, you know, going and seeing The Godfather at the cinema or The Exorcist or The Omen or what have you. Uh, I remember my Aunt Florence talking about having read The Omen and my uncle was working some either swing shift or night shift and and she, you know, listening to the house settling and everything cracking and popping was really scaring her, you know, after reading The Omen or during reading it and after reading it. Uh, Those were simpler times. You know, they really were. Like, I mean, we had actual horror going on in the world, but as far as our fiction went, I mean, The Exorcist was pretty pinnacle as far as something being scary. You're talking a little girl who is suddenly just possessed and saying awful things and doing awful things and looking scary and her head spinning around and shit's levitating. Yeah, but she just stays in bed the whole time. Shut the door. She'll get over it. <laughs> She's a teenager. I mean, she'll eventually age out and you'll have to kick her out of the house. Yeah. And then it's someone else's problem. Yeah. I mean, the devil's not scary like a vampire or an alien. <laughs> He's too abstract. Isn't he in charge of those guys? Why would he bother? Is he a micromanager like Jesus? Yeah, he should be busier than this, right? Yeah, he should be so high up he doesn't get this Make house level. calls. Yeah, he's not possessing 12-year-old girls. What's the point? Yeah, he's not making house calls. Yeah. I don't know, man. I would say on a Manson family kind of a <laughs> level, hippies could be very scary in a movie. I would say... A village full of vampires, like on a um, Salem's Lot level, can be very scary. Salem's Lot scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's good. But these two things don't really <laughs> join together to scare me at all in this movie. And, and I hate to say that like I'm being a scare snob, but... Well, it's, it's subjective, isn't it? If you're not scared by it, not, it's like a comedy if you don't yeah, if you, laugh at it, then... You know, didn't work for you, but or it it works at one point and then you rewatch it and it's yes. just like this this isn't funny at all. What was, or you know, this wasn't scary or interesting. Whatever you know, <clears throat> that happens on well, rewatch. Yeah, the Carol Burnett show was funnier in its time than it is now to rewatch it. Certainly, yeah. So I imagine the same might be true with horror. But can things be objectively funny, objectively good, objectively scary? Well, you can you can appreciate uh, how something's set up to make a gag work sure. in, in comedy or horror. So right. you can appreciate a well-done and well-mounted scene. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't scare you subjectively, you can still say objectively that this was a well-done yeah. Yeah. scene, but um, just didn't work for you. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, do you think this was... Um something that the Friday the 13th movie borrowed from for the rowboat scene. Oh, Did you think about this while yeah, you were yeah, watching yeah. it? Yeah. I thought about it. I don't know if I'd seen it. You kind of think they did, right? I mean, it was out there. Yeah. I think Carrie was the direct influence on that, though. But yeah, when she's in the rowboat at the end and it's it's all over and peaceful. Yeah. I'm expecting Jason to come leaping right, right, out of right. the water, so. capsize the boat. Which, you know, that's a good zinger ending. Yeah. Um, but this one just sort of fades off. This reminded me uh, somewhat of Messiah of Evil. Mm. Yes. That's a great one. 
I really like Messiah of Evil, though, even though yeah. it's... You feel... It's you, not complete, and it's all... I mean, it's a complete movie, I guess, but it, we all know it had problems. and It did, but you feel some immediate peril uh-huh. going on, like the grocery store, mm-hmm. some of the street scenes. I mean, you feel it. Like, you wouldn't want to be in that scene. Yeah. Like, the scenes in this movie, it's like, yeah, well, I would just shove one of those old guys out of the way and get back <laughs> in my hearse and drive off. Yeah. So... <laughs> You ever know anyone who owned a hearse? Totally off the no, subject. No, not. Jolian? No, I've been to the hearse rallies here. But, yeah. Um, yeah, when they, when they say in this movie, oh, it's cheaper than a station wagon. Like, no, it's not. The, no. Gas, the mileage on these things is terrible. Yeah. And I, I know this because a, fr- <laughs> a friend of my brother had a, it was either a hearse or an ambulance. They were manufactured the same way by the same you know, division of a motor company, they basically take a, a station wagon, cut it and stretch it. Um, but you have to have a specially made um, uh, drive drive shaft for it. So um, if something goes wrong, then you, you gotta you gotta get that thing out of the junkyard or get it fixed, and it's just gonna be a bummer. You know, there's a few things that can go wrong that just aren't readily available. But man, you could have a Cadillac. Never mind, it's had a lot of dead people in it, but you'd be cruising around in style and comfort. You drive as slow as you want. Yeah. Wherever. People (laughs) have to stay behind you. This is true. You know, you're cruising down the freeway at 15. Yeah. Yeah, well, in, in more recent times, I've met a lot more people who own hearses because I've vended my art and stuff at HearseCon. But I mean, like, just organically in earlier life... I had known a couple of people. There was one goth dude in Chicago that owned a hearse, this guy Phil. and uh, You can't be goth and named Phil. <laughs> and live on the south side of Chicago. It doesn't seem it would work. No. It worked for him. Okay. But he had all four of his tires slashed by people who just had disdain for the fact that he just drove a hearse as his car. Mm. So that got expensive right there. Yeah. Totally, like not talking about the movie but uh so we all watched it we all watched it again you know a clearer copy of it um it's w- funny how being able to see things sometimes impresses or improves a movie <laughs> yeah um, yeah i mean for it not to be a blurry piece of shit yeah um i've never been huge on on picture you know fidelity Kind of like, well, whatever. I grew up with a 13-inch black-and-white TV with a lot of static. Yeah. Uh, I didn't watch most anything, but now you you get some really sharp Blu-rays. We're spoiled now. We're so spoiled. The color is fixed, and everything's sharp, and it doesn't warble. (laughs) So so i got to ask, what what worked for you, and what didn't, as far as... Like I said, I think the atmosphere worked. I think... uh, uh, the the sense of paranoia works. Uh, large parts of it work, but I just feel like I don't know the characters well enough to appreciate any change in in Jessica. Is she going mad? Is she already mad? Is are these guys in on it? Are these guys in on it? Yeah, I just feel like 
I don't know what anybody's motive in in this movie is. I want to wonder if they're gaslighting her. I really yeah. want to wonder that. Yeah. And I don't wonder it enough watching it. Who who would be and why? And why? Are they going to benefit from it? And if so, how? Is someone going to make a bunch of money? If she goes crazy, do they get her house? Yeah, I mean... Yeah. I don't know. And there are just too many questions left unanswered. Yeah. I mean, I I don't need everything answered. I don't need anything answered, but... You've got to give me something. They didn't give me enough... Of anything else. Come to... on, you made a movie here. Jump around a little. <laughs> yeah, do something. Dance, monkey. Dance, <laughs> right. monkey, exactly. You just didn't entertain me enough to right. to warrant me going, what the fuck at the end? And right. this, I don't know what happened, this got but a, I'm okay with it. This was on celluloid. It got a poster. They took it to theaters and spooled it up and turned the switch on. They put the lamp behind the fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jolie, and other than uh, atmosphere, what else worked for you in this one? Uh, I think we all agree on the atmosphere, right? Yeah, Zora Lampert is great as Jessica. Mm-hmm. Um, she does sell it. Yeah. I will give her that for sure. Uh, it's a pleasure to watch. It'd be a soft recommend. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, if you like movies like this, uh, Carnival of Souls and Rosemary's Baby and just do yeah. it much better. Kind of laid back, Ch- 70s horror. Children of the Damned. Mm. Or a... Uh, no, Village of the Damned. What's the one with the fucking kids? Children at the Village of the Damned. <laughs> That's an Iron Maiden song. Is it? One of their later albums. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're running out of ideas. <laughs> I think that was the title of the album. We're running out of ideas. <laughs> Iron Maiden. We're running out of ideas. The next album was You Guys Will Buy Anything. I tease. It's just I... Eddie sitting at a desk with a blank piece of paper. <laughs> with his head hung down. <laughs> We're running out of ideas. Is it Children of the Damned? The one with the pale kids? I am getting the title totally wrong, aren't I? So you got Village of the Damned, 1960, where you got the blonde-haired kids. Yeah, that one. In, based on the Midwich Cuckoos. Okay. And then you got Children of the Damned is the sequel. Okay. So, so... I don't remember if the sequel did a good job or not, but I'm thinking yeah, of the first good. one, Village of the Damned. Uh, that That's a better one for, like, converging groups and paranoia. Yeah, well, I, there's lots of cult paranoia movies, especially post-Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you said soft recommend. Um, yeah. I guess th- we're into the recommends. Uh, Will? Yeah, I do a soft recommend. Yeah, I kind of feel the same yeah, way. I think I... you should see this if you're a horror fan. Um, just so you can kind of understand it for what it is and what it isn't. And maybe just those markers in time of like, hey, this hippie stuff is over with. It's a bummer. It's a hangover. Like it's a, the, the 70s is a hangover of the decade of the 60s and all the idealism didn't work. Uh, we've got, you know, the, the Manson family murders happened. A lot of rock stars died. Uh, Nixon and his whole Watergate scandal has happened. Uh, we're heading toward... Just hijackings and bombings and just gas embargoes. Yeah, it was just bleak. Yeah, terrible. Uh, things in England were super great at the oh, time, weren't they? Oh, Bankrupt. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> the whole country was went com- great, and com- then you elected a great uh, prime uh, minister. Really, not really doing well today. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. 
Yeah, you know, how'd that Brexit work out? <laughs> Not yeah, well. They're currently throwing away billions on a railway line where they decided to uh, save money by having it not arrive where it's supposed to. <laughs> uh, holy fuck. That's lovely. Oh my god, I am so glad Britain exists though, so we're not, you know, the not... absolute worst. Yeah. <laughs> Someone to look down to, that makes yeah, you feel better. Yeah, you know? it, or maybe they're doing a bit better than us, but they're still a fuck up, so. <laughs> they're like an older brother who's, you know, he's done time too, he's no good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't look so bad in the I family. I won't get in so much trouble. He already did worse. Yeah. Well, on that note, should we call it a show and come back next week and talk about, oh, I don't know. Censor. Censor. 2021 film. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a good one. Unless they ban the episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they might. We should ban it. Just bleep it all out. Yeah. Well, listeners, thank you for listening stay off the pond or something <laughs> stay out of connecticut yeah <laughs> <laughs>